Well, good morning, Redeemer family. It's good to see you all today. It's good to have many of you who are church family and other friends here this morning. And it's good to sing. It's good to always sing that we've got no other king. Uh, we need to sing it, we need to say it, we need to remember it, we need to pray it, we need to ask God to help us believe it. Um, and so praise God for his grace. Well, uh, as you may remember this month, we have been focusing in on, in prayer as we often do for one of our partners, but this month particularly has been focused uh, on praying for our friends who are who were sending out to plant a church in Magnolia called Harbor Church. Uh, in fact, if you've been around for a while, uh, you know that this has been in the works for a while, planning, uh, praying for, for quite some time. And, and today is, is the culmination of, of those plans, those prayers. Um, and, and today we are going to, as we arrive at this day, we're gonna get to the end by ordaining and sending out, praying for, commissioning uh, this church team, uh, ordaining our brother Travis, commissioning the team to go and plant this church in Magnolia. So the sermon this morning is gonna be a little unusual uh, as we're gonna be in several different texts, including the one we just read, uh, but, but as, as opposed to focusing in on one passage, we'll be moving around, uh, like uh, Pastor Dale joked in the, before the first service, you know, it seems like we get a couple weeks in Luke and then we're back into something else. So sorry, we'll be back in Luke next week. Uh, but uh, we, uh, I hope this will be a blessing. I know it will be for our church family. So you're welcome to follow along in your copy of the scriptures and the verses will also be on the screen this morning. Well, something our, our church staff has, has learned is that if you spend much time around Travis Bowles, uh, a certain actor uh, seems to frequently make his way into the conversation. In fact, we learn that there are many situations in life that can be explained via, you may have guessed it if you know him, a Tom Cruise action sequence. Now, I don't think Travis and Tom Cruise really have a lot in common, maybe a couple things, but he's, Travis has definitely got him in the height category. His theology is way better than Tom's. Um, Tom probably has, has him in the bank account department. But, uh, but since this is Travis's final week with us, I, I figured we, we, we should start with the Tom Cruise illustration. So here we go. Uh, an amazing thing about Tom Cruise is this, is that he, he does almost all his own stunts. Uh, he, I mean, whether that is scaling the Burj Khalifa in Dubai or whether that's hanging onto the side of an airplane as it takes off into the air or whether it's riding a motorcycle off of a cliff and then letting go of the motorcycle and parachuting down the rest of the way to the ground. Tom Cruise is crazy uh, to the point where he has regularly injured himself on movie sets, which all begs the question, Why? Like, I mean, like, what's the payoff? Why do that? Other than the adrenaline, maybe. The guy is like in his 60s now. They literally pay stuntmen to do things like this. So why? Why risk everything? Like, why risk your life for that? How could that be worth it? And maybe you're here today and... And you, maybe you're relatively new to Redeemer and we're talking about sending people out of Redeemer to go plant a church in another nearby town. And in fact, towards the end of the service, we'll invite many of them up here on the stage so that we can see them and pray for them. And you may think, you may look at that and think, man, it seems like they're sending a lot of good people out. Like, why? Like, they got a good thing going here. Why not just build it up here? Why not, why not grow this thing and, and, you know, build a bigger space to meet in? Why, 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 why do that? 
Or you may even go, why are they leaving? Like, it seems like they've got a community here. They've got things going on here. Why go? It would seem like it would be easier to stay. Like, what's the payoff? Or maybe you're a member of Redeemer. And, and when we bring those families up here on the stage later, you'll look at the faces of people and you'll, and you'll think, man, I love that person. I love that family. And, and you'll go, man, they're, they're leaving our fellowship. They're launching out to start this new work. And you, you may just go, why? Like, that, that hurts. Why can't they just stay? And it all begs the question, why? What's the payoff? And part of our task today is to answer that question. But here's just a little hint up front. Make no mistake, the Great Commission is dangerous work. And it's not just church planters and global missionaries. The call upon every disciple of Jesus is to enter into the mission of God. Jesus has said, follow after me. And then he said, count the cost. There are no stuntmen in the kingdom. So it's, it's an honor for me to preach this sermon today. Yes, uh, to our Redeemer family. In fact, this month marks 16 years since Redeemer was planted, uh, which is just a blessing to think about. I don't know, I don't, that, that really makes me feel old uh, that it's been 16 years. But I'm also honored to preach this sermon as a charge to uh, the Harbor Church team as they set out to plant um, and, I, and I hope, I hope this will be a day of rejoicing. It'll be a day of joy for us as a, as a church family. Let's rejoice in what God's doing as he has called people by his grace to go and begin a new work for his glory. So here's, here's where we're going to go today. Uh, number one, why plant a church? Number two, a charge to Harbor Church. And then number three, we'll end with commissioning. So would you join me in prayer as we, as we get started today? As we do each week, I, I would just ask you, would, would you ask the Lord where maybe you're, you're even thinking, man, I don't know, maybe this doesn't even apply to me. I don't know, maybe my heart, your heart's just elsewhere today. Maybe, maybe you feel sluggish. Would you ask the Lord to help you love Jesus today, to, to treasure and cherish the gospel of Christ. Ask him to help to speak to your heart from his word today. Would you pray for, for others in our church family? Pray for your, your, your neighbor, pray for your family member, pray for our church body, uh, that God would speak to us, that he would move by his spirit, um, that we would love and follow after Jesus. And then lastly, would you, would you pray for me? Pray that I would speak what God would have me speak, not my own words, but, but that, I would, that I would speak from his word 
and that he, would, that he would move in such a way that would be helpful to us, that would be beneficial and that would glorify him. Lord, I thank you for the honor that it is for each of us who are your children to be used by you. Lord, for the joy that you have given us to be a part of your plan. And so Lord, would you, would you grow within us a love for the gospel, a, a rejoicing in who you are, and Lord, would that bring fruit of ministry and, and kingdom work out of our lives? Help us now as we hear from your word. Move today and we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Well, number one, why plant a church? Why plant a church? There are, there are numbers of answers to, to this question. And so I'm gonna give several, but, but then we'll kind of land on one primary answer. Uh, first, a Redeemer Church is not primarily about Redeemer Church. No, our aim is making much of the Redeemer, making much of Jesus. That's what our aim is. We, we want people to cherish and to enjoy Jesus. And we wanna see more cherish and enjoy him. And to do that, often new works must begin. You may not know this, but we are not an omnicompetent nor omnipresent people. That is not what our church family is. Our reach is limited, but the gospel of Jesus is not limited. It is for all. That means new, new places need Christians proclaiming the gospel there. And this is not a new idea. Church planting didn't just start in the early 2000s it, when maybe, 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 maybe that's when you like tuned in or maybe even more recently. Uh, but I wanna read this from Charles Spurgeon. Uh, this is a, a quote from a sermon that he delivered in 1865. He said this, we encourage our members to leave us to found other churches. Nay, we seek to persuade them to do it. We ask them to scatter throughout the land to become the goodly seed which God shall bless. I believe that so long as we do this, we shall prosper. And of course, this goes back way further than 1865. This goes back to the book of Acts. We are here today because those in the scriptures, those in the book of Acts, because they launched out. And there are so many practical reasons to plant churches. Estimates are that 1,500 people a week are moving into the Houston area. Every week, that's 250, 250 people a day. And they're coming from all over the place. I mean, how many have, of you have met someone even just recently who's moved from California or from some other part of the United States or even from outside of the United States? Maybe, that, maybe some of you are those people. Some of the people moving in are Christians and they need good, good church families to be a part of, but others are not. Others are lost and they don't know Jesus and we want them to hear about him. But that's, that's a mega church of people moving into our area every week. And so even if we were reaching a quarter of them, 
We couldn't plant churches fast enough. Additionally, new churches are statistically more likely to reach the lost. There's something about the vitality uh, and, and, the, and the closeness of a new community of believers that, that I, I believe heightens the awareness of the lost, that sharpens the focus of the mission. So strategically, a new churches are vital, they're needed. But it's not just a growth issue. You may, you may go, well, there's, there's churches all over the place. Like, and, and you're right, our area has many churches. But increasingly, the, the presence of a church does not equal the gospel being preached. Christians in Magnolia need another church where the gospel of Jesus is central. There, there, are, there are many churches there doing great work proclaiming Christ, but more are needed. We could, we could probably plant five more healthy ones and that still wouldn't be too many now, all those are, are great practical reasons, the, the growth and the strategy, the need. But, but I believe the theological answer is this. We plant churches because our God is a missional God. His heart throughout the scriptures has been that the whole earth would know him. We see it very clearly beginning with Abraham. And then how does he work through Abraham so that the whole earth will know the loving heart of God? He works by a people. He calls Abraham and he says, I'm gonna make you a people, a nation. He calls them to himself so that they might do what? That they might love him and represent him. And through them, that the whole earth would be blessed, that the glory of God would be made known to all peoples. And this theme continues and culminates in Jesus as he's the fulfillment of that blessing, of those promises. He's the blessing to the world. And then before he ascends, Jesus has his own little commissioning service where he says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in his sovereign plan, how does God choose to make disciples? Again, he uses a people. A called out group of people, his church. And now we are part of that people. So, so why plant churches? Because the church is the very people that God is using to invite others to himself. People from Tomball, people of Conroe, people of Dubai and Japan and Thailand and the people of Magnolia, Texas. Through the church, God is inviting men and women to know and to treasure the good news of Jesus. And who are those who hear the message? It's not the impressive or the self-important. Remember the parable that Jesus told of this great banquet in Luke chapter 14? He had been condemning the, the, the Jewish leaders for rejecting his offer of the kingdom and the offer of forgiveness. And, and what, what does the master in the parable, what does he tell the servant? Uh, this is in Luke chapter 14, verse 21. He says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. Master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. As we've seen going through Luke's gospel, this has been a theme that Jesus came for the sick. He came for the poor in spirit. For those who would see their spiritual bankruptcy and know their need for a savior. 
That was you and me. We are the people that were on the fringes that he went out and brought in. Strangers to the covenant, Paul says. But now through Christ, we've been brought near by his blood. And guess what? There's more like us out there. There's more out on the fringes. More who need to be brought near to the promise of Christ. More who are like we were. So why plant a church? Because the mission of God is to redeem a people for his glory. And we, we see this so clearly crystallized in the person of Jesus. Consider Jesus. He's the ultimate expression of the mission. He was the, the ultimate sent one. And so now we are sent. Jesus said to his disciples, as the father sent me, so I send you. So all of our going, all of our being inconvenienced to love our neighbor, all our sacrificing for one another, all our missionaries who sell everything and move across the world, all of our risk-taking, even all of our cheering and supporting and praying for our friends today as they go plant a new church. All of it is a joining on the very mission of Jesus, who for our sakes became poor that we might know riches, who for, for great joy before him bore the cross, despised its shame. He emptied himself so that we might be filled. He became a curse so that we might be blessed. And so now we get to do likewise. We, need, we get to sacrifice ourselves so that others might be blessed. The church of Jesus is God's plan A for the world. And we get to play a part. We, he uses fallible folks. He uses, like not, he uses imperfect people, imperfect fellowships for his mission. So how could we not want to send more of them to share more, to plant more? And Jesus said in Matthew 9, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Number two, I want to give a charge to the Harbor Church team. Harbor Church, as you guys meet tonight, uh, this evening, to, to covenant with one another as you, uh, as you continue walking together onto this mission. I, I just wanna give you some, some encouragements. And I'm using the word char- charges, but don't, don't take that as like a menacing term. Really, just receive that. These are, these are encouragements. Um, and and there, there are plenty of different things I could have said. So I'm not gonna, this is not gonna be comprehensive, but, but these are four things that I feel like the Lord uh, has laid on my heart to share with you. And we'll use the passage that we read um, in Colossians chapter two to share some of them. Um, So beginning with Colossians chapter two, verse one, uh, read along with me. This is Paul speaking. He says, for I want you to know how greatly I'm struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me in person. See, the apostle Paul is going, man, this is hard. I love that he's always like pulling the curtain back and letting us see his suffering. Because he's saying, man, this church planning business is hard work. This mission is, is risky. It's sacrifice. And it's sacrifice both for the sender and the goer. Uh, but look at his warning to them in verse four. He says, I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. He, he's warning them against the wrong thinking that they might be tempted and lured to, to buy into that, that's within their culture. The, that's saying, hey, that, that's, that's silly, or having different lies they might believe. And he's, Paul's going, don't buy it. Don't buy the lies. 
And likewise, I think we have to be on guard. There are lies within our culture, things that might lure us away from the mission, wrong thinking that our culture presents. And so, so as we look, listen to these charges together, these encouragements together, would uh, let, let us, even Redeemer family, let's hear them as well um, as we encourage our brothers and sisters. So number one, Harbor Church, in a world of many attractions, make your primary aim to treasure Christ. Look at verse two of Colossians 2. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and of the knowledge of God's mystery in Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I I wanna urge you, more than longing for excellent sermons, more than music, more than well-executed worship gatherings, more than good websites or evangelism strategies or, or good life group structures, cherish the Lord Jesus Christ. At her core, the aim of the church is worship. We're to worship Jesus. And I don't mean, I don't mean simply our songs, but rather the affection of hearts who have been changed by the gospel of Jesus and who are submitted to his rule. Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest commandment? And he answered, love the Lord your God. This is why the answer to the first question in the Westminster Catechism is, is, so, uh, is so important, I think, for us. What is the chief end of man, it asks? to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Notice that the answer is not to glorify God and proclaim him forever. If, if proclamation or evangelism is our primary aim, I, I do think we run the risk of, of becoming the worst version of a multi-level marketer. Like good salespeople, but no personal attachment to the product. Just want to get another downline. Mission must not supersede love for Jesus. It must flow out of love. And many other loves will vie for the church's affection. We see it all around us. Political loves, theological tribes, doctrinal quarrels, other other pet projects and ministries. Be urgent to decenter competing loves and fight to enjoy Christ. There is none like him. There's none as beautiful as him, none more gracious. Never lay aside time with God in his word and prayer. When you get together, pray, love Jesus, spur one another on to love God first and most. Number two, Harbor Church, in a world of isolation and individualism, be a family. Right there at the beginning of verse two in Colossians two, he says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love. So how how will we love Christ? We'll love Christ as we're joined together. Isn't it unbelievable the sort of language that, that is used of God's people in the New Testament? I feel like we talk about this a lot, but it's just unbelievable the way the scriptures speak of God's people. It does not speak of our union as business partners. That's not how it describes us. 
We're not, we're not referred to as machine parts. We're not an army battalion. We're not a corporation. No, the scriptures tell us that because of Christ, we're family. We're brothers and sisters with, with God as our father. We're a body knit together. That's such a tight connection to one another. And this New Testament language is, is so strong that early church fathers actually referred to the church as our mother. And you may go, I don't, I don't understand that. Well, the, the church is the context through which we're to be nourished and grown and nurtured as we feast together on Christ, as we gather together for his worship, as we come to his table. And our modern culture says, you don't need all those other people. You're strongest on your own. You're fine. But real Christianity is the opposite. It says, no, I, I'm actually stronger when I'm with the rest of my people. I'm stronger together. But in our, our microwave culture, this kind of togetherness feels really inefficient. Many would rather listen to a sermon while jogging or on YouTube than gathering together with God's people. Many will forsake being a people. But don't buy that. Even this inefficiency, the inefficiency of community, even that has a purpose. I think we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter one, where Paul says, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring nothing, uh, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God to us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Families, being family, is unimpressive. It's not efficient. The church family is not efficient. There's no CEOs in the church family. Only pastor, shepherds, tending to, to, to sheep who are in need. Families can be a little weird, can't they? Some of you know that maybe even more so than others. There'll be people in the church family that you might not have picked if you were having a draft. <laughs> every Lord's Day, you're, you should, we should look around on every Sunday when we gather and go, man... We are an island of misfit toys, broken and unimpressive, but by God's grace, redeemed, righteous, full of power. In the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he implored his students, he said, kill your wish dream, the wish dream that you had for community. So Harbor Church, kill the wish dream that you have, what you wish Harbor would be, and embrace the family that, that it is. Inevitably, a month or, or a year from now, things will be tough. Some relationships could get hard or strained. People's problems that you're trying to help may seem overwhelming, but don't despise the fellowship. Whatever, whatever strange people you get joined to, whatever hard, maybe you're one of them, right? Uh, whatever hardships you face, whatever forgiveness that you have to learn to both give and receive, the Lord will use this unimpressive fellowship 
And he will use it to be a bright golden trophy of his grace and his power and his steadfast love to you. The church family you have, not the wish dream, not the one you wish you had, is the church you need. Number three, in a culture of church growth, Harbor friends, make disciples. Make disciples. Look, it's, it's fun to grow. It's, but, but guess what? Weeds grow too. Growth doesn't always mean health. But a healthy church is growing as it produces disciples of Jesus, those who love and follow him. Even today, like we're really thrilled to send out this church. It's, it's bittersweet and, and we've, we'll talk about that a little more this morning. But I, I, I know, I know Harbor Church. I know you guys will be a church planting church. It's gonna be part of your DNA, something you want to do. But, but even more than aiming for a, for a church plant, seek to plant disciples. And in time, growth, multiplication, planting, those things will spring up out of healthy soil. This is why I love the imagery of, of this church, uh, the church family that, that you guys are planting. I love the imagery of it being a harbor. What a great picture for discipleship. Uh, Travis, I, I, I remember you and I talking about names and, and that becoming one of the early names that was on the list of, of, of names we've talked about. And I, I love, I love it. I love that we've, that's, where, that's where you've landed because it's, it's such a beautiful vision for the church. A harbor is a safe place, much like a healthy family should be. A place where we're to find refuge, that Christ is our refuge, where, where we're to come for, for comfort and encouraging and refreshing one another in Christ. But a harbor is also a place where a ship comes to be equipped for the next voyage. And as Christians, we know this task in our lives is unending, isn't it? The Lord Jesus by the Holy Spirit is constantly working in and on us, retooling us, shaping us, maturing us. And, and, and what are the means he uses to do those things? As we come to the harbor that is his church, well, he uses the preaching of his word. So Harbor Church, be, be built by the preached word of God. It's, it's, it happens through the singing and communion and baptism of the gathered church. So, so Harbor Church, gather often and participate in those means of grace. He uses the means of pastors and, and other church leaders. So, so Harbor Church, appoint, appoint godly leaders, qualified ones who will minister God's grace to you. But it's not just through the leaders, it's through all the saints. Every member of Harbor and every member of Redeemer, each one of you has a gift. Ephesians 4 teaches us this. And what's that gift for? It's for the building of the body. Look at Ephesians chapter four. We read in verse 11, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's son, growing in a maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. And look at the result in verse 14. This is what this produces. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. I, I, I love this. I love this picture. 
Because it's, it's, it's saying we're all vessels in danger of being tossed about, in danger of losing our mooring and, 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 of, and of losing uh, our, our ability to steer. But through the ministry and the equipping that happens in the harbor, through that ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, we're built up, made steady for the waters so that we can, so that we can go through the storm. But it isn't just the ones preaching and, and shepherding that are doing all of this work, this building up. Look, look at verse 16. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. The whole body working together to make one another strong. So Harbor Church, each of you, use your gifts when equipping classes are offered, go. Be built up. When, when small groups meet, be there. Be there both to, to, to be built up, but also to build others up. May the Lord use Harbor Church to build sturdy vessels for the water. And then lastly, number four, Harbor family, in a sea of legalism and self-reliance, believe that the gospel is all we have to offer. Look at verse six of Colossians two. So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. Paul had been warning them against particular heresies that were popping up within the Colossian or around the Colossian church. And people were being lured away by, by legalism and, and asceticism. Legalism being do these extra things to be accepted by the Father. And, and while asceticism is saying, don't do these things. And then maybe then you'll be accepted. And Paul cuts the legs out of both of these in verse 11. Look what he says. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done by hands, but by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism and which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. Paul is pleading with them. Law keeping is not how you received Christ. It's not how you came in. You were not saved through circumcision of the flesh. No, you were saved when God cut you to the heart. You were made right, not by do more, try harder, the motto of legalism, but by it is finished, the declaration of the, of the cross. The atoning work of Jesus. That's how you came in. That's how you began. That's how you received Christ. And then what did he do? Verse 16, or verse 14. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. Harbor Church, this is how you receive Christ. Christ was the only way in. You, you had no hope to make yourself alive. He did what was right. He paid your debt. He loved you first. And you simply believed and received. 
So don't now walk as, as though you are the one to create your own righteousness. Harbor Church, you have nothing greater to offer to anyone, including yourself, than the gospel. Brothers who, who are gonna be preaching and teaching often at Harbor, Travis, Eddie, Tanner, preach the gospel. Proclaim Christ and him crucified. For those who will be small group leaders or children's servants, don't, don't offer behavior modification. Offer Jesus. He changes us. He changes. Our behavior does change eventually, but it's Christ that must work in us. The gospel is the only hope we have. The only thing we can offer the lost world around us, and it's the only hope for us. Now, will this grow the fastest church? Probably not but it will grow a strong church. This is why Paul says that good pastoring is like farming. That it's sowing, watering, and then waiting. It's a work of patience. Sowing the gospel of Jesus. Preaching God's word. Watering, with, watering the sea. The, the slow ministry of counseling people with the good news. And whether it's through gospel preachers sowing and planting the word or through many of you who will, will water and, and proclaim truth to one another, true gospel work means that when we do these things, as we wait, as we pray, God brings the growth. And if God brings the growth, then God gets the credit. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul writes, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Who am I, he says. They're servants through whom you believed and each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. There are no shortcuts in farming. I'm, I'm not a farmer, but I, I know that these principles, they are true. If a farmer walks out into the field and says, you know what, this sowing and watering stuff is just not working. I don't see any buds on the plants. There's no fruit on these vines yet. He can't then just take a fully grown fruit and tie it onto the plant. This is what legalism tries to do. Outwardly putting fruit out there. The appearance of godliness. Just modify this behavior. Just dress this way. Just parent this way. Speak with this right Christian lingo. But that's not real fruit. That skips the hard work of waiting for the grace of God to change people and watching as God brings fruit in due time. So be patient, gospel farmers. Gospel ministry is slow, but the fruit lasts. The only hope for lasting fruit for, for Harbor Church, for Redeemer Church, or for the lost of Magnolia or Tomball is, is that we believe God the Son, Jesus Christ, died in our place for our sins, that he rose again from the dead so we might be forgiven and free. Just as you came to Christ, walk in him. We sang today, hold fast to the anchor. It shall never be removed. Hold fast to Christ and his gospel. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the pattern that we see unfolding again 
of men and women called, led by your spirit, sacrificing, giving away comfort, emptying themselves of, of relational bonds and, and, and stepping a little further away maybe from a place of, of, uh, of comfort and peace and stepping into a little a thing that's a little more risky, a little more difficult, a little more uncomfortable. Lord, would you bless them? Would you bring great fruit? Uh, would we hear uh, quickly of many who are edified, built up, sent out by Harbor Church? Would you hear, we, we hear of conversions of those who come to know Christ, who are saved, who receive forgiveness. So Lord, would you use their ministry? Um, would, you, would you help us to partner together uh, for the kingdom? And would you, uh, would you grow each of their faith that they might love you more, that they might be strengthened by you for each step? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.